0: Just move on up Toward your destination Though you may find From time to time complication
1: Welcome back ladies and gentlemen To the 15th episode of Tales from the East End we have lots to talk about as usual uh, with the recent Cork and Bray games, Pats tomorrow, interviews with Ed Saul and Polly O'Brien, great little double act, uh, nearly fighting over the mic at times and we have a special announcement which we'll make at the end of the show.
2: Oh, that sounds exciting,
1: I wonder what that could be. <laughs> <laughs> so as usual I am Gary Parsons and alongside me is the prof, Carol Royley. So we're going to start with the 4-1 defeat in Cork on Friday. We had uh, Pico coming back in and we saw Kevin Horgan make his league debut Because Tomer's wife had a baby the day before, so congratulations to Tomer and his wife.
2: I hear you're super stoked about parenthood.
1: (laughs) Super stoked, bro. Uh, He made an appearance at Turner's Cross. Uh, That's dedication. He was on the team sheet, didn't see him in the first half, and then he turned up.
2: Yeah, he only arrived at about 7 o'clock, apparently. Didn't have much sleep, so... Obviously, that wasn't ideal preparation if he was going to play, so Horgan came in. And uh, someone made the point on Facebook that... uh, Horgan seems a little shy in person but on the pitch he's quite vocal
1: yeah he's not. he's a madman yeah
2: so that's the two, two crazy keepers uh, here's a stat for you do you remember Ray Ed Peter say I certainly do one league appearance on my right yeah he was the same age as Horgan 20 years old when he played his only league game in a 3-0 defeat away to eventual champion Sligo in May 2012 now that is interesting
1: oh wow what, what do we take from that Cork had to change into an all white strip as well uh, what was that about
2: apparently their green was too dark and it clashed with the, the green of our way
1: yeah so that would have been the refs decision to to make the home team change which they mightn't have been too happy about but what can you do
2: yeah someone like there's actually jersey stats on twitter would you believe and someone said that, that was the first thing they wore all white in a home league game since 1999
1: ah good stuff uh, we have the Trevor Clark goal. Trevor Wonderboy Clark scored an absolute beau again. And uh, we've been treated to some gorgeous goals this season. Absolutely stunning season for goals. A feast for the eyes. What do you think, Riley?
2: Ah, oh, that was just an incredible goal. It was Paddy McCart-esque. Just a, like a diagonal run to the left side. started from about 40 yards out, Buries it in the top of the net. And it was just pandemonium. In our section when Yeah McCullough it was crazy
1: wasn't it And that's two goals Off the underside of the bar this year Yeah Him and McAllister So Like yeah. I said We're being treated to a feast
2: I actually love Trevor Clark I just <laughs> want to say that I love him I thought you might do The Romario baby celebration though
1: Nah do you know what If you score a cracker like that And turn his cross You're just You're just gonna go nuts
2: The celebration goes out the window Absolute Cracker of a goal And we got the We got the stat Remember 15 games in a row we scored best run in 33 years yeah there we we're breaking records ok it doesn't mean a whole lot in the end because of the results but but it's still there yeah no, but that's that's one of my favourite goals I've seen live oh well, one of my favourites
1: yeah I mean going up there against the odds and to pull that one out of the bag the way he did with that run and I'll, I'll, it's it's a great goal to see
2: in live so I always, always remember that and uh, what about Trevor Clark to get capped before Sean Maguire Show me the odds for this, because I, I want a piece of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one up, Paddy
1: Power. get Let's get involved. Uh, there was a thread on the forum. Um, who has been the most promising player you've seen at Rovers, aside from Trevor Clark? Uh, probably Ennis Stevens in our time, and he's definitely going to play for Old eventually. So we had Sean Gannon in there
2: as well. Yeah, you and I really predicted good things for Sean Gannon. For some reason, Brian Laws didn't rate him and just... Left him out of that league of final squad. Craig Gilbert.
1: That's who got a game. ahead of of uh, Sean
2: Gallon. Not that we thought he was going to play for Ireland around the world. We both thought he would be a top fullback in the league.
1: A lot and of players uh, have left and gone on to do well when they left Rovers. But um, we seem to have our our, uh, our house in order at the moment.
2: Yeah, Trevor could be our best chance of uh, player of the month winner. In a long time.
1: Yeah, I think so. When's, who's the last one?
2: Last one was Twiggy in October 2012. It was the last month?
1: 2012 October. Oh, that's a long time ago. October 2012. And uh, what else have we got? The red card. Uh, never a red card. All ball, all man, and the way a tackle should be sounds a bit odd, doesn't it?
2: People are split on this one. I'm. I've watched it about 20 times, and I'm still on the fence. I think he he won the ball. But he followed through at speed, so if you want to say it's reckless, it was. It was reckless.
1: I'd say it was a yellow. I mean, he got the ball forced. He did follow through, but maybe he he wanted to get a little extra touch on the ball to knock it into one of our players' paths. You know, yeah, he
2: was trying to win the ball and pass at the same time. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good shot, yeah, McGuire. Well, McGuire
1: um, made the most over, though. You know,
2: Bradley said it was a definite red right card. Bradley said that. Yeah. Oh, well. Do you think maybe the the ref was influenced by the core players gathering around them and the crowd reaction? Obviously, yeah. It always does.
1: I mean, um, it happened up in Pancrana as well. The ref got influenced by the crowd. So definitely, definitely those, Um, the pressure gets to them. So uh, Our second half chances. Trevor Wonderboy Clark uh, missed a glorious one-on-one after some beautiful play by Brando. And it was a potential game-changer, that chance.
2: That was actually a one-all.
1: I know it was a. It, it was. A, we all thought it was. We thought it was in, and I know it was on his weaker side. But it was a big, big chance, big chance in the game.
2: browser made a good point about that. He said that Trevor went high, because he had scored high on his left foot, and that he usually goes low on his right foot. Yeah, but that's why he, he tried,
1: tried to switch it up. Yeah, very observant from Browser.
2: We thought it was close, but I think I think it was actually miles apart from the post. But it seemed close at the time. the yeah. uh, Delaney's first goal. That was the only one in front of our end. The other four were at the, at the shed end. And uh, it was a really good game, though, otherwise. I mean, it was end-to-end end stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it was. It was a good game. And we did put it to them. And that's why the crowd are are sticking with the team. And we're not getting on their back. Because they're showing heart. They're, they're, their heart is on their sleeve. And they're really playing well, even though we're losing. So that's what's
2: keeping the fans here. Well, the fans recognise that the 4-1 didn't reflect this, the game. It wasn't a 4-1 game. That's no, definitely right. not. We played nice football, but down to ten men. Why we started playing so well, down the man, I don't know. But uh, melee and Byrne, probably some standout performances.
1: Yeah, I thought Bourne was brilliant. I really, really like Bourne at the moment. I mean, I always did like him, but to come back from just like we said before, such a such a bad injury, a year out of game, and then to fly into tackles the way he does with no fear and. He's just playing really well at full-back, so uh, let, hopefully it continues because...
2: Our left side is brilliant at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's a good little combo, isn't it, Trevan? Trevan Lugie? They seem to be playing well together. But once again, the dreaded set piece is really its ugly head. Uh,
2: Garrett, what was he said last week? Uh, let's remind ourselves. So if you see me in Turner's
1: Cross, frotting at the mouth and snarling, like a rabid dog, it's because we've conceded from a set piece on the stroke of half time. I absolutely hate. it. Yeah, of course, this again, really. Um, set pieces are a serious problem. I mean, as as good as he is in open play, Lopez, he can't seem to mark a man. I mean, I count four times this season now that he has lost concentration at the worst possible time, and his man has scored from a set piece. So. I mean, it, it it was it was it was Pico again, and we he just can't seem to mark from these set pieces, and it's always his man. So that's that's a problem. As good as like you said, as a good as good as he is from open play, he he struggles with set pieces and, and marking his man.
2: It's frustrating because we had been defending set pieces well recently, mm. or maybe were those clean sheets against Bowles and Galway kind of misleading because they weren't all that threatening. But I got the impression we were defending well recently. But yeah, we're giving ourselves too much to do because of conceding goals from set-pieces. Yeah, like really we can't are. score three or four goals every game to make up for this. Just and shooting I, ourselves
1: in the foot. Like it's it's yeah. uh, it's getting ridiculous at this stage.
2: Webster said he's embarrassed by...
1: By the set-pieces? By the goals, yeah. By the goals. I mean, yeah, yeah he's right. And it's, it's, it's nice to see a bit of honesty because, I mean, you keep conceding these soft, soft goals. I mean, that it has to give sometimes. I mean, just let's tighten up. Just go old school, you know?
2: Well, we keep saying learn from our mistakes, but we don't want that to become like a catchphrase. You actually have to do it. Yeah, start putting it into action. Um, well, the other results went their way. That was one positive. Yeah, very so, yeah, and unbridled. Yeah, we're getting a bit so. of luck in that yeah.
1: sense. Well, It's about time we start climbing up that table. Uh, the trip to Cork itself was a cracker. Um, until we actually got to Cork. I mean, a dull, dreary, rain-soaked kip. Let's be honest, it was twenty odd degrees all the way in, <laughs> and the second you entered the place, the heavens just opened, and the tunes were hopping on the Gary Twig bus. Mm. The driver was a bit of crack too—a Scot and a self-confessed horn.
2: That was that was his quote. Yeah, we got the crazy Scottish driver. Yeah, you uh, go crack. Didn't understand a word he said. You no, know, to be honest, not one word. We needed Open a translator, back. didn't we? he started singing to himself at one point yeah
1: he's uh, he's good crack hopefully we get him again uh, the lads were great hosts as usual and the Gertie Twig supporters <laughs> club bus so once again shout out to the lads
2: yeah four buses went up so we had a few hundred fans in there Turners Cross.
1: yeah our fans were amazing let's be honest non-stop for 90 minutes massive amount of us general madness and debauchery I mean Dave Barry had his own little chips sand serving up with extra sweat I don't, I don't know how anyone out there I think you had a nice uh, bag of sweaty chips didn't you girl no I had a burger
2: <laughs> we actually missed the the red card because of that because we were spent forever in that queue I'm actually yeah. still there now yeah. <laughs> waiting for me quarter pounder
1: uh, I mean, like like we said like this is what being a Rovers fan is all about I mean we're losing 4-1 you're realising your team won't give up because they're wearing their hearts and their sleeves they, they have heart this team so I mean we matched their enthusiasm for 90 minutes I mean I remember at the end of the day we're Rovers and we haven't gone away so
2: we'll be back you were quite jolly on this trip, Gar.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I was going to say, you can take the lead on this show because I don't, don't remember much,
2: but it came back to me. That, that's a polite way of saying you were really loud. Maloney <laughs> actually came out to us and said that uh, you probably won't be fit for this show, so he offered to fill in. Uh, <laughs> he recognised how inebriated you were.
1: Yeah, do you know what? It was, um, it was a couple of stops and... Uh, do you know what the less said
2: the better <laughs> you lost your phone at one point didn't you?
1: yeah you know yeah. what some yeah it just it was gone it was gone then some little guy came over and he said yeah it's about like 20 feet down the end of the stand I was like well fair play to you thanks for that I <laughs> got it back so all good
2: yeah for such a quality league of ironing ground uh, Turner's Cross it's a shame like they box us in and they don't have any toilets for the away fans
1: no I think there's Maybe one part wasn't it's it it's 2017 nah see it's, it just shows you don't care no, they don't They don't have any facilities. Dave Barry selling sweaty chips. It's... Uh, they don't care.
2: The media were treated to some nice... Kind of kilty sausages. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, uh, we, uh... Once again, we didn't really make it in time to get to a pub. It was the same in Donegal. We kind of got there about 20 past seven.
1: Yeah, apparently it was a struggle to get in as well. A couple of lads were refused.
2: But apparently that's always the case. The cops... Uh, tell all the, the pubs to close, and they don't serve Rovers fans. The big bad hoops
1: are coming to town. Yeah. Uh, the media comments, Corks media. Uh, I see Shepherd was talking, smacking the papers, saying, and you no, know, he used the word really three times. He said, saying we really, really, really fancy ourselves. So I don't, I don't understand why he would go to the media and and say these things because he was treated very well by Rovers in both stints at the club. And if you want to be careful; you could end up on the on this season's tail from the East End
2: list of hatred, <laughs> alongside Ron and Curtis. It's interesting how it wound up uh, Cork players and fans get by Rovers. Yeah. You know, they just where all they seem to talk about. You think they just enjoy where they are in the league, but they just keep talking about us. Yeah.
1: Well, what, what do you expect, Car? Rovers.
2: Well, it was there was a lot made of uh, Bradley's comments before the match because he said that um, Cork weren't as good as the Dock three in a row team
1: which is like like we said he, he is brutally honest he went out and said the McAllister was a red card yeah. the McAllister fell was a red card he said he's being honest all the time and it's kind of refreshing so they might think it's a wind up but it is the truth
2: yeah so Bradley was asked a question he gave an honest answer and really they're really innocuous comments saying that Cork who have not won no leagues under Caulfield are not as good as Dundalk who have won three leagues it's a it's a true statement but some Robbers fans were saying, like, do we really need to be sort of motivating them? We're handing them motivation before a game. And then Ryan Delaney came out and said that uh, that actually did bother them. And that dropped them to win, which I I call bullshit on.
1: Yeah, I completely call I-, I agree with you on that. That's absolute bullshit.
2: I think a lot was made of it. Like, the sun dressed it up a lot. The headline was, uh, Dundalk aren't a patch on Cork. But that's not what Bradley said, really. And uh, I think Richie Sadlier made a lot of sense on Soccer Republic. He said too much was made of it and Cork were going to be motivated for the game anyway.
1: I actually found myself agreeing with Sadlier for, for once.
2: Uh, he's, aside from Brian Carey, he's by far and away the best punt on Soccer Republic. Of course, they only bring him in like every three months or something. Yeah, and we're I stuck it, with uh, Fabio Brian and uh, Dan Murray
1: like watching paint dry, isn't it uh, what else have we got we have we'll move on to I think that's everything on court Carl have you anything else to add on the core game
2: Yeah, the, the one time we did uh, criticise Bradley do you remember it was after the pass game yep because he, he brought up the two under 19s call up and uh, in fairness to him on that one he didn't raise the issue himself and the only person he talked to about it was Dave Donnelly from extra time because Dave asked him the question okay so I just thought that was worth mentioning. So like, once again, he, he, was, asked, he was asked the question and he didn't bring it up. But I do see where Robert's fans are coming from. Maybe maybe it is being a bit naive that we're handing them these you know, sort of things to throw back at us. But, yeah, true. But uh, yeah, I like his honesty. Uh, we're going to move
1: on now from the Cork defeat to the Bray game. Um, 2-0 win at Tala on Tuesday night. And uh, we're going to get some quick thoughts from Rowers on Mark Welch. He was at the Cork and the Bray game. Now I'm here with Mark Welsh. We're just approaching the 90th minute in uh, Tallah Stadium. Mark, I'm going to ask about the Cork
0: game for us. Uh,
3: what do you think of the performance?
0: It's missed, it's Started off time. quite well. Uh, leading up to the goal, I thought we were giving them as good a game as we could give them. Took the goal brilliantly. Fantastic goal.
1: Usual story, though, shooting ourselves in the foot, really, isn't it? Set pieces <laughs> and Brett Yeah,
0: that, that's it. I mean... Conceding the goal just before the half time whistle didn't help, and then it was a hammer blow wasn't it? Hammer blow, and then we got four the guy sent off. And uh, at, as a say, corners and free kicks, we've been conceding goals left, right, and centre from them all season. So the four-one flattered them really, but yeah, I think they, so. They were always going to win it, I suppose, after we went down to ten minutes. And with tonight, um, Bray have been completely
1: nullified by what has been a pretty, good, pretty good broad performance.
0: Yeah, they've been much better defensively. Bray in the second half. First half we looked like we were going to score every time we got the ball over the halfway line.
3: They seem to have abandoned their wide games, which as <laughs> they tore us apart and uh,
0: Carroll oh, the ground. Okay yeah, yeah I, absolutely. We haven't been, we uh, haven't got the ball at all. I mean, at one stage I didn't even think Gary McKay was playing. So that. Yeah, that that says it all, that doesn't says it? Says it all really. So I'm happy enough with a clean sheet so far, but.
1: Yeah, Mark. He's one of the people, isn't he?
2: Oh, Mark's a good hoop.
1: Yeah, so we had a uh, melee and the Shaw goals. Uh, Brando strikes again. I mean, how good of a finisher is this guy? All angles, all action. I mean, he really is, like you said before, the best finisher
2: we've had at the club since the week. And once he scored, we knew we were safe because that's 22 times in a row now that we've won a game that he scored in.
1: 22 games. So any time Brando has scored, yep. 22 times in a row, is that some stat, isn't it?
2: The only time we didn't win was away to Limerick at Jackman Park. And that was an eighty-six minute equaliser, and uh, but that's a that's a mega stat, I must say. But there uh, now was really good win, like midweek football on a warm evening in Tada. You can't ah, beat that it.
1: There's nothing better, is there? No, nothing better.
2: And uh, in terms of the team changes, Talmer came back in, obviously, for Kevin Horgan. and uh, Ryan Connolly replaced the suspended Dave McAllister, and that was that was Connolly's first start in two months.
1: Yeah, so uh, congratulations. I think he did ninety minutes as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think He so. completed the 90 minutes, so it's good to see him, considering that his injury was considered very serious and potentially career-ending. So, had a very good game as well. I'm very assured.
2: I'm great to see Shaw on the score sheet, because as we mentioned, if you could just add that to his game big time.
1: Ah, do you know, like, I mean, Gary Daddy you cool, Usain Bolt Shaw at this stage, the guy has electric pace. Do you see how quickly he got onto that slightly over-hit-through ball? Now, you could say Cherry was a little bit slow to get off his line, but he was so quick to get onto that ball, and he just slotted home with the help of a brave defender.
2: That was Finn's true ball, wasn't
1: it, yeah? But, uh, yeah, re- smashing, smashing goal, really was. Could have been 6-0. I mean, Brandon Brando missing, I think, two open... You could say there were two open goals, couldn't he? Yeah, The was first was definitely, he just smashed it. Could have just tapped it in. And then I think he tried to tap in the second one, and it was a really good block from, I think, 4 So, um, I mean we carved them open plenty of times. So it was it was a really, really good performance from the hoops.
2: It was super stuff. Yeah, I mean we've said a few times this season that we should have got three or four, but this game, I mean, if if the scoreline in Cork flattered them, like boy the two nil flatter Bray yeah. on Tuesday night. Like that was a six 0 game, if ever there was one. It was um, uh,
1: it was surprisingly easy. I mean for personally I thought it was a tactical master class from the coaches and Stephen Bradley I mean we nullified the threat of their pacey wingers by stopping them at the source and that source was Gary McKay because he was the one who was treading those true balls in in the Carlisle when we lost 4-2 and I mean the pace was killing us from the guys and he was marked out of the game and he didn't look bothered at times it was, it was like the temperamental Gary McKay was back
2: he looked a bit frustrated because we were running rings around him yeah. him and Connolly were we were nullified really
1: yeah, it was a super, super performance from our midfield yeah. to kind of stop that threat.
2: Yeah, I was surprised by how feeble Bray were.
1: Yeah, and um, they they were kicking out a lot. So I reckon Harry Kenny kind of wanted to make it a physical game, which doesn't suit their style. It's not how they've been racking up the points at the start of the season, you know. The yeah. quick passing game is how they were doing it and setting their wingers free on the wing. So
2: I wonder if it was uh, Connolly trying to wind up Tolmer. You know, like he, he knocked him over in the box. Definitely, definitely,
1: 100%. Harry Kenny was in his ear saying listen you get near him again he'll react so so try and get him going you know it's it's mine games it's all mine games And I see Aaron Green was too busy whinging and giving out to really get involved in the game
2: I was disappointed by the abuse he got like, I think he should have got a lot more yeah he only got a few so.
1: chances. he is yeah do you know what he's, he's on it he's officially on the list of hatred Aaron Green
2: I thought that was a given that he was on it yeah he's on it we'll go by seasons so that's two on him so far, is it? And Shep is kind of a contender. Shep
1: is, yeah. If he opens his mouth again, we'll have, to, we'll have to pull him down.
2: So that's... He uh, yeah, actually counted up. It's 13 former Rovers players in Bray's squad altogether. It's crazy, isn't it? It's amazing. Some of them, obviously, are from our youth squad, like Jimmy Ahern. But, uh,
1: Timmy the Barrel Clancy. He's a bit of weight on him, hasn't he?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to complain about anything from that game. If you had to pick something, you'd probably say Graham Burke was a bit annoying at times.
1: Yeah, it's very wasteful at times. It's you could call him if you're going old school you call him a glory hunter he, he just doesn't he, he needs to know when to pass he he, he should do you know what that needs to be coached out of him where he's told listen you'll be taken off next time you do something kind of silly like that you, it might sound harsh but we could benefit a lot more as a team if he just knows when to pick the right pass and when to shoot he, he took a couple of shots that were just silly
2: the one time he played the perfect pass, it was offside Yeah, he took too long to, to put the pass in as well Granted, yeah. it wasn't perfect because it was offside But he played it at least mm. And But yeah, I like that he's a free spirit And he gets us going But like you said, so many shots Just miles wide and over Yeah, Yeah, I think Connolly was probably the stand standout performance in that game He may keep McAllister out of the team now
1: Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't give the ball away much, does he? Likes to hold on to it Has a good pass in him very good, very good eye for a pass yeah. yeah I think so hopefully he stays fit and like we talked about Lukey Bourne already I mean he's getting better, better every week um, solid solid left fall great little partnership with Trev and Webster is showing form again I think he's one of the best football and centre halves in the league I've, lo- I've I've liked him for a long time now and his form has dipped in reason but he's, he's great on the ball he's very comfy and he's probably one of the best in the league in his day now people mightn't agree but I, I certainly think he is if you,
2: if you read the forum or Facebook every week when we lose our stand backs aren't good enough for this league mm. and then we win and keep a clean sheet it's like all oh, Webster and Lopez they're the business yeah will, will somebody please be consistent about this
1: I know it's um it's it's good to see we've settled back for it though I mean we're not chopping and changing we seem to know we're starting 11 now and if we can cut out the silly mistakes the set pieces the individual errors the red cards we are, we are going to be a force so it's it's all about those little things we'll iron them out eventually I'm, I'm very um, I am very confident that we'll do it. I
2: wonder is our fitness levels giving us an edge now again Definitely. that was pointed out on the form that uh, you know right at the end of the game in injury time Brando sprints 40 yards to chase the ball now
1: Darren Dillon is an animal He's an absolute beast of a man. So he he's definitely putting them through his paces. And he's getting involved in the warm-ups. I saw him do uh, a warm-up a couple of times now. And he seems to have a nice touch as well. He
2: plucked the ball out of the sky. <laughs> Looked very cool. So And you saw the goalkeeping coach doing something quirky yeah, with Tomer. Um,
1: I'm trying to describe this as best as I can. Um, yeah, it was like a rectangle frame. You could say like a big picture frame. But instead of glass, it had like rubber strips going across and going down so when tomer would throw the ball at him he would trust this frame with rubber strips on it at the ball and it would send the ball back at a speed and then tomer would get down and save it now he
2: could he could just
1: kick it back to him in fairness but it's, <laughs> it was something different you know it was something i never saw before so it was cool
2: i interviewed tomer afterwards and i asked him about jose just to confirm that he's real because some people are not sure. Yeah, and uh, he likes what he's doing with Jose. Yeah, obviously yeah. he's not going to slag him around, but you can see he genuinely likes yeah, the guy yeah. and he likes the work they do together. Um, another thing I noticed as well is that we communicated very well
1: in the game tonight. I noticed a lot of shouting, a lot of talk, and Connolly did a lot of talking. Actually, it seems like a quiet enough guy, but he did a lot of talking on the pitch. A lot of players communicating with each other, and that's essential for me. Communication is the key, and um. It was very very positive. So that's another uh another good thing. Uh we are only two points behind Bray now. We beat if we beat Pats tomorrow, we are rocking and we're second is there for the taking. So um I'm I'm
2: very confident of beating Pat's are you? I mean you'd have to be. After after seeing that and past their bottom, albeit they were bottom when they beat us in Richmond, but everyone knows the red card. Yeah was, I think Was we're, a big um, factor there But
1: Were you Were you a nice win In Salah in, in Against Pats you, Were you
2: a nice win Under Bradley To be honest I mean aside from The Athlon won in the cup Yeah I don't think we've beaten Anyone by Three clear goals
1: Yeah so I reckon it's there For the take And I think we're going To beat them well We're we'll going to our
2: predictions In a little while But um, And we got a bit of stick From some Robbers fans In the East End For leaving our seats Just before half time Of the Bray game Well we were busy recording new content for you fine people. This show doesn't make itself, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And here's our interview with Ed Saul and Paulie O'Brien.
2: Okay, I'm here with uh, Ed Saul and Paul O'Brien. And this isn't a, a random pairing, of course, because you both have something in common. you both just done your UEFA your B licence. So I'll start with Ed. Uh, how was the process and what inspired you to do it? I suppose um,
3: when I broke my leg playing football a few years ago, 2012, I was only 29 ended my career so I was always going to get into the coaching end of things then so it was just about walking me way up the ladder getting a bit of experience and finally going forward for the B license so yeah no was not gonna lie it was it wasn't easy anyone who said anyone that says it's easy is a lawyer in my opinion Uh, there's an awful lot of work to it and if you throw in your own club commitments your family your job Rovers and all other bits and pieces and trying to fit the time in to do it that's where I found it most difficult the coaching end of it on the pitch was good because you do what you're good at you can get out and coach but it was all the computer stuff and the hours upon hours of weekends Sunday nights over Christmas me and Paul were doing work over Christmas so there is an awful lot to it but when you you get the final results and you pass it it becomes worthwhile you know
2: and Paul yourself
4: I'm kind of echoing what Ed said it's, it's a long slog There's a lot of assignments in it, I think is probably the worst part, the hardest part of it. Very time consuming and stuff like that. Um, But similar kind of story to Ed, I stopped playing football at a very young age. Um, Kind of lost interest to be honest with you and I think probably supporting Rovers kind of hampered my uh, my playing days. But um, very similar and uh, it was a tough road and again very uh, enjoyable course we learnt a lot and kind of when you, when you get over the line it's the most relieving part it's the hardest thing I've ever done to be honest with you definitely
1: and Ed have you noticed that um, since you've been doing the course have you watched football differently do you, do you have a different opinion on football now which are you you be more
3: knowledgeable I think I think what what's mad is that the FAO are trying to, they're trying to drill into you what way they want you to coach which comes from the top with the Dutch guy I can't think of his name Those yeah it yeah, comes the from him place, yeah he? and they want you to play out from the back and they want, to, want you to play a certain way but when you go and watch the, the international team the first team exactly. it's totally opposite mm-hmm. it's just get the ball up the park as quick as you can Martin O'Neill stuff so that's the bit that but I suppose the first team, international force team is all a results business isn't it and getting to the Euros and stuff like that nobody questions what way you play yeah, but there, there. yeah no I haven't looked at it differently no, you pick up a lot of pointers um, coaching tips from the tutors yeah. You you deal with you you, you implement implementing your club. Well no, you do pick up you pick up things, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. what about you do you uh do you approach the game differently now?
4: Like Slightly different. It's kinda of similar to it again, but um, in my case it'd be uh, kind of if you're watching the game but obviously following the ball and the player and stuff who was on the ball but it's kind of off the ball stuff yeah, that you yeah. kinda of look for more so like where's your shape, where are your players when you haven't got the ball, stuff like that. Um, and then the opposition kind of looking before the game kind of work it, you can hurt them and um, using your, your your better kind of formations and your better ways of playing to kind of counteract what they have the opposition like, so. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of stuff in it a lot of stuff we've learnt in it definitely as well like, definitely
2: So Paul how did you get into Rovers and do you remember what your first game was
4: first game in League of Ireland wasn't a, a Rovers game it was, it was a Pats against Shells game my uncle's a big Pats fan so I was down Richmond Park so me, I will me I was never a Pats fan um, but that was the first game I went to then I had two friends who were Bowes fans, unfortunately for them. Um, and my first Rovers Bows game was in the Jodie stand in the singing section in a Rovers t shirt. However, I had a jacket on, zipped up, um, and that was my first game. And Rovers won three. Th- no one knew I had it on, in fairness, um, but I let my mates know on the Lewis on the way home. Okay. And then after that, I never went back to uh, any other games by Rovers. That's spawning myself. So the only one my family sports Rovers, so I think there's a few of us now. I <laughs> yes. yeah, suppose.
3: So I, I was brought to Milltown as a very young kid. Um, most, most people, most football, you get into football mostly through your dad, don't you? Your dad brings you to football or makes you support his team. It was actually my mum, my mother, that made me start and support Rovers. So there's probably not many that can say that. She started bringing me to games and she still supports them to the day. She doesn't get to as many now as she does, but she still watches on telly, goes for results. And we'll go to Tallade about three times three times a season so she was the one that got me into it and then I started going to watch games uh, in the RDS when I was about uh, 11, 12 that's when I started going on my own I start going with my mates and stuff like that and we won the, won the league in 1994 I think it was well, it would have been 12 so, but I still remember it and uh, that's when I started really getting into it and then after that it was just a continuation following rovers everywhere like Richmond Talca, Morton Stadium, you name it. We we were there, you know, and and then eventually when you you get to Talla, it's it's been some journey. journey. What do you make of what you've seen this season from Um, I suppose you don't expect us to win the league this year, but I didn't expect us to lose eight games at this stage of the season either, and that's an awful lot When, when we're not even halfway there. And if you look at the games that we've thrown away... like Ridiculous stuff... Bashing teams... Uh, bashing Cork at home... Getting beaten 2-1... Bashing Pats for 35 minutes... Get beaten 2-1... Go to Derry... Play really well... Get beaten 3-1... Go to Cork... Play really well... Get beaten 4-1... Like I fucking hate moral victories... You know... In yeah. football... And that's what it seems to be this year... Is just moral victories... You know... We're throwing away games with stupid decisions... Set pieces... You know, red cards yellow cards turning into red cards it's just we'd be so further up the table if we had a bit of cop on on the pitch and a bit of game management that's, that's basically it we'd be in a much better position
4: what do you think Paul? I was thinking we were a very young squad and a lot of inexperience just what Ed said as well Like some of the sending offs I think are very very silly like Boke down in the dock was, was, was very very silly you know losing draw the same thing as, as what Ed said look really really good but I think I think priority now is the centre half I think we need a centre half definitely and an experienced one at that I think we've got very very good centre halves young players but I think we need a couple of leaders I think I think we're doing well lately but as Ed said the first 8 games was, was horrendous if i are quite honest I think Bradley obviously is a great coach I've been told a lot about him um, local lad it's great to have local lads and stuff at the club but I think we really need to hopefully we've upped it obviously in the fourth half um, but we keep the need to keep that going in, in all games not just picking and choosing the game here and there so I think that we can motivate ourselves to the big games as the smaller games that we haven't really been, been up, to, up, to, up to scratch If you think about it the club hasn't we haven't replaced Dan Murray
3: since he left the club and he was a leader he was a captain he was unbelievable for hours and how many managers have we had since Dan Murray left and they've all known that centre half has been an issue and we just haven't, we haven't sorted out the problem. Right. I suppose, Stephen Bradley was in charge last year and he was around the club when Fennel was in charge. He knew the centre-half was a big issue. Now, we might say, yeah, we tried to get A, B and C, but you know, do we really need that amount of midfielders? You know, Why not put the budget into it, top centre-half, even get them from abroad, instead of buying seven midfielders and half of them aren't even playing? is the so manager p- in are talking now uh, no, it's <laughs> just frustrating because we haven't had a, a, a proper centre half and if we had one proper centre half a leader we've, you know, we, we were shocking at the back last year yeah. shocking and we've been poor this year at the back let's call his bait a spade but things are improving slowly but we, if, if one of the centre halves gets injured Lopez or uh, Webster at the moment you know, you don't have the cover. You don't have the experience. And it, it is disappointing that we haven't found somebody since Dan, Dan Murray left. That's very disappointing.
4: I think just on the games as well, again, centre-half, I think a leader... We, we've gone ahead in so many games. Like, I think Finn Harp's here, for instance, and as soon as you go goal ahead, we just sit back and draw. It seemed to be drawing pressure on from other teams. Like Finn Harps, we were very, very lucky to win that game. I think we won yeah. it 2-1. We drew yeah. it on, yeah. drew it on. Yeah. Pat McCart, ran ran and I mean, he can't even run anymore, if we're honest about it, yeah. but he, he ran a muck against a seven or eight midfielders so who were supposed to be best in the league. Like, and we just got overturned by them, and I think it's happened late goals. I think we equalised and dropped it away. Another late goal conceded. And it's set pieces from corners. Yeah, yeah, we're our worst enemy, definitely. (laughs)
3: Friday's (laughs) 45th (laughs) minute. How many times have we conceded in the 45th minute or the 46th minute? And with all the knowledge that you've amassed throughout the, the last 12 months, how would you solve our defending from set pieces? Because it's a massive problem. No, we what do you think the problem is? I'm old school I'll have two men on the post front and back post yeah. <laughs> simple as that I don't do Arnold Mark and I yeah. don't think Paul does it's, been a massive problem it's this season. something we do you know at Fairhouse we hadn't got the best defence this year in the league either but we just went when we were on a bad run we just went back to basics yeah. just fucking, and you it worked know, in the end of yeah it? yeah we, since Christmas we've turned the corner yeah. T- totally different side we ended up finishing for a brand new team in the senior division we ended up finishing 8th in the league we're a very very young side but mm we just went back to basics and we, I don't know what's going on at Robbers how many do we can see that set pieces
4: like it's crazy,
2: it's crazy. Well, uh, talking past and present do you have an all time favourite Robbers game and the player
4: favourite player without a shadow of a doubt Stephen just he probably wouldn't be majority of player fans sorry um, pick for favourite player but I just think he's, he's woke great. Really. A uh, sheer determination and everything he does. Like I've said, have came in early just to watch him warm up and just to see what he puts into a warm up where some of you are kind of more skillful, technically gifted players who be going through the motions and then try to turn it on. But I think with him, he was never the, technically the best player, but I think hard work alone, determination, passion, there's no one that can match him, in my opinion. In my days, as obviously, Ed would probably name a couple of players who could. But favourite game, I think Woy Hart Lane, spores Away, yeah, sticks, sticks in the memory, yeah. obviously, because it was just it was once in a lifetime and um, players God them days come back but I think the European trips are always special um, being to Estonia Juventus away uh, Spurs away Latvia or sorry Lithuania It's everywhere it's brilliant to go and again this year players God but I think they're special and obviously the Bowers games when they beat them it's always good regardless yeah. if it's in a friendly or if it's in the Lancashire Cup it's always good to get one over them sure. Well, a
2: favourite game and favourite player
4: uh, probably Bowers a bit old
3: school again in the RDS days it was Peter Eccles moved on then probably Derek Tracy and now the current generation it has to be Gary Twigg. absolutely you know it, when you move the talent and you see what that man done just, everybody still sings about him to the day so um, favourite game now that's, that's a tough one isn't it favourite games you should say Still too many um, I suppose one that sticks in the memory was uh, the Pat McCourt hat-trick, when we beat Bray 3-2. you first person that we thought yeah. She wanted to interview someone about that game. It was in Daly Mount Park. We had a shit team. Roddy Collins was the manager. We would probably about 700 at the game. And we were sitting in the Jody stand. And it was just, you know, you leave that game, you say, I oh, was there that day. Yeah. and it, it was unbelievable. The three goals, the way he played, he was, un- he was unplayable. That, that would be one of my favourite and then the European nights, as Paul was saying how, how would you forget them Juventus away Spores away even, even the Real Madrid game here in the, in the friendly yeah. you know it shows you like, we're a massive draw this club is massive always has been and always will be and that's why it's frustrating that
4: you know what kind of
3: still in a bit of transition the last Let's five years Army, yeah.
4: yeah you know we're massive another you know, one of the favourite games and it's not for the result I think it was Pats away I think we got beaten 4-5-0 but yeah. it, was, it kind of showed what Rovers was and this this what kind of got me was 4-5-0 down the opposition Pats fans are rubbing in your face and everyone just singing, we'll never die when you're 5 nil down. There's no club like it. There's no club in this island that, that's like it. And there's been loads of times where, I think Cork away there the other day, right, Cork fans be. were saying, you're 4-1 down, like, and they're still pushing. That's, that's what got me involved, like, involved in Rovers and got me going. And I think that's one of the best things about Rovers is win, lose, or draw. We'll be here. I think, I think the DNA of the club is just, we'll, like, we'll never give up. We'll never die. It just sums the club up, I think, perfectly well.
2: Yeah, it was, a, it was an enjoyable interview, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Better call, Ed Saul
4: yeah,
1: but yeah, I
2: didn't have to get that in. Uh
1: the next uh, the next managerial duo maybe, um Alan O'Neill and Terry Everson. That brings us back, doesn't it? Well
2: if you're if you're talking about the, the end of the ninety five, ninety six season, yeah, but they were they were sacked after one game. The <laughs> yeah. following season, so maybe not that part. It
1: was the only duo I could think of. Um it's good to see lads making a real effort though and taking time out of our lives to to do something they love so it's I always like seeing people do that I mean they're climbing the way for coaching ladder and
2: what about Ed and Polly's Green and White Army yeah maybe so maybe Feu- so future coaches future for sure coaches yeah and uh, Paul uh, chose Stephen Royce as his favourite player
1: yeah do you know what the first person I've heard to say that and it's a great show
2: well Joes did put him in his all time 11
1: he certainly did yeah and it was a talking point as well so
2: and uh, remember last week we were asking who does Scuddy throw off the bus oh yeah we got a, I think we got didn't they, we got a couple of answers didn't we someone suggested Roycer actually got a lot of different names but we've been told with maybe 90% certainty that it was Clark Rowe, and David McGill
1: there you go the three bios getting thrown off the bus
2: and the Huberman is still clamouring to get on the show
1: yeah he's a uh, you think he get enough spotlight wouldn't you yeah. around the pitch or
2: have we already had him on the show oh. who knows
1: <laughs> so we have Pats who are bottom of the league again down and nil. Rock bottom, bottom of the barrel. Um, I really do fancy hammering these on Friday. I mean, we we are Jew. They're due a spanking at Tala because let's be honest, they've beaten us well in Tala. Like I mean, the four goal Conan born massacre. Um, was a couple of other games. I mean, we need to target that centre half We're already. Feely. I really don't rate him at all I think he's a right winger. And um, Piers has no pace. Exploit these weaknesses. I'm telling you, that's the way to go and get at these.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean. <laughs> we should win comfortably but obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourselves because past just they've got a good record at tada yep and you'll see you'll hear later in the stats they've got a good record against us in general yeah the last few years so also
1: Be- another thing that Pauly touched on was a great now I, I thought this was a great show i'd never heard anyone talk about this uh the five nil loss in richmond he counted that as one of his favorite games because of the fans pulling together, singing for 90 minutes, and that really is what Rovers is all about. I mean, the same in Cork, 4 1, losing 4 1, the crowd were hopping for 90 minutes. It was a really good atmosphere, and it's it really is what Rovers is all about.
2: And Cork fans were actually impressed by that. They were impressed by our crowd, the way we kept Ta- singing right to the end, despite the scoreline. Yeah,
1: it takes a lot to get a compliment off those lads. And, and there, was uh, a,
2: there was a great quote from Mick Conroy actually about that. So Mick said, Friday night was so enjoyable at lots of levels we have the arrogance to enjoy everything about following Roberts we know we will see great things again and what makes them despise us is that they know as well
1: yeah it was um, that's the thing with these players I I said this to you during the week I I genuinely I think this is my favourite team since Mick O'Neill there's something about this team that I really like I know results haven't gone our way we've lost eight games already but there's something about this team they seem to appreciate us and they looked stunned at the support in Cork they were looking up in awe and thinking these guys are genuinely there for us week in week out and we have been the atmosphere in Tala's been great the atmosphere away games has been great we've been there and they seem to get it they seem to know what it's all about and I think Bradzer like is the main you. man there. I think Bradzer is 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 letting them know all about that. He's like, I play for them. The fans are the heartbeat of the club. Bradzer could be a big big key in in the appreciation from the players. So, like I
2: said, it's a it's a big thing with following Rovers. It's following them no matter what happens. I mean, we gave them such a noisy and lengthy reception at the end, and you can, as you say. You can see that they appreciate it.
1: Yeah, really do. Like I said, it's, it's just something about this team that I really like. There's not too many players I don't rate. And it's, I, I think, I'm going to call it now, I think that we're going to we're gonna do really well in the next two years if we keep this squad together because, like you said, we had, what, 12 players in, 12 players out. It's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, real football fans know what the story is there. I mean, you get rid of 12 players and you bring 12 players in, you cannot expect instant success you can't expect instant, instant success in any any leagues you know it's it's crazy so we're, we have showed patience and i hope we continue to do that and results turn
2: our way I, I reckon this is going to be a successful team eventually we were chatting one fan that was he he really wasn't happy about the draw of the game and then in fairness we did get in their backs so i was in the stand so i didn't see it personally but i could hear that the fans were you know, coming down hard on the side of that result. But, in fairness, that feels like a long time ago.
1: Yeah, it certainly does, feels it? Feels
2: like, I mean, the Dundalk and Bray wins. Beating two top a- three teams now. Yeah.
1: We've come on a way since then, I reckon. We've improved. So,
2: whenever win over pass will cement our progress, I think.
1: Yeah, it'd be, um, it'd be a super win if we got the three points. But, like I said, we're really confident. And uh we'll move on to some other league matters. Uh, We... That crowd from Fibs for it. their form is all over the place, let's be honest. They beat Bray in the Carlisle and then they lost at home to Limerick. Um, it's it's all over the shop. And their away form is actually quite decent,
2: isn't it? I, I still think they're going to go down. I think, I think Corkin still has by far the highest percentage of any club's goal scorers so far this year.
1: Points kicked in a guy game.
2: Another two, I think, wasn't it, in, in Bray? Yeah, um.
1: He's, he he does score goals for them, Let's be honest, but I I just don't I don't rate him at all. I think he's uh, I, I think he's brutal to be honest. Let's hope that doesn't go back to bite me uh, towards the end of the season when we uh, played him in Tala. Uh, Daily Mount Park is now delayed once again. We well not once again, but we knew we had a we had an insider telling us all the info. It'll be two thousand twenty-one now, according to John Delaney, not two thousand twenty. So again, that probably wasn't the last derby.
2: But well, he says he wants it to coincide with the FAI's 100th year anniversary.
1: That's a bit of a cop-out, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: I mean, he's he, he might find something nice about 2022, then if it gets <laughs> yeah. delayed that long, you know.
1: He might ask you for a couple of stats or to dig in for...
2: Him. Uh, Welsh officials at Daly Mountain Park on Friday. Yeah, that's a, that's a common occurrence now, isn't it? Yeah, every season it seems to happen. Once or twice. Apparently they're as well. And uh, Northern Ireland officials for the Shelburne Longford game. At Park, yeah,
1: I'm. I'm kind of. I th- I didn't think. Do um, you know the um, the standard of the refereeing is it's starting to get on our nerves and tails from the East End because it can be quite quite poor. I mean, some of the decisions that have gone against us this season, and just the general, even the ones that we've received, some some really really poor decisions. So I don't I don't know how you improve these things. I mean, the assessors are there every game; they're watching are they pulling the refs up and saying, listen, this is what you have to do. This is what you're poor at. This is what you're weaker. You have to make more decisions like this. Are they doing that from my experience in dealing with refs to close shop? And I, like I did the course years ago and I actually approached a referee before about the Derek foreign and Bisto fell. If you remember when we lost four nil Um, I approached him about that and he was very diplomatic because I, I felt that it was the wrong decision on the day, and um, I said to him, "Listen, I mean, let's be honest with me." He says, "No, well, the ref made the dec- the right decision at the right moment."
2: It was Buttermere.
1: Yeah, that's that's what he said about Buttermere. He said the ref made the right decision at that at that time, and and I was like, "Yeah, that's just be honest with me here." I mean, come on, it, it wasn't. It was the wrong decision. Wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, condemn him and wouldn't say a word about the decision. So that's what you're dealing with. Didn't someone also say to you that there's a reason Bunnibar gets a game every five weeks? Certainly did, yeah. There's a, there's a reason why he only gets one or two games in uh, a couple of weeks. So his name is Dort, let's be honest. And his, uh, his, co- t- uh, or his, his colleagues know that as well. So what else have we got? We have Athlone in the news again. Came out swinging in their programme notes.
2: Yeah, scurrilous and slanderous accusations, they said.
1: Yeah, it's a club of turmoil, isn't it?
2: They're and to, uh, Roddy is in the centre of it. They're going to get special treatment in my LOI cartoon, which will be released in two weeks' time, so brace yourselves. Shameless plug right there. Love a uh, Carl.
1: Yeah. That's what we're all about. Sponsored by Beach Three East, by the way. Jeez, I almost forgot. I know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the FAI announced that New Balance is Ireland's new kit supplier, so join in the likes of Rovers, Liverpool, Celtic and... Uh, like I'm I, going to be honest I don't care who sponsors the hurling gear but I love the Rovers gear at the moment I think the New Balance stuff is class some great Rovers gear this year Liverpool actually brought out a pair of runners with the crest and that could be a seller Green and made in talent New Balance it's over to you Brendan Murray <laughs> yeah
2: I agree with you looks yeah, it looks great
1: it, yeah it's a sell out I'm telling you uh, what else we got they announced another friendly for the Aviva Liverpool versus Atletico Bilbao 85 quid for utter slop and drivel. Um, if you're going to barstool, just just do it properly. Just be a real barstooler, and go to competitive game in a month or two. I mean, it's it's just absolute garbage, isn't it? I mean, I'm not fond of friendlies for overs. I'll go and pay the money and support the team, and and that's what it's all about, it's a money spinner. But it's a friendly, and if these guys think that this is they're going to support their team. They're, they're just crazy.
2: The only benefit I can see is people who physically or maybe financially can't afford to travel to England. Very it true, is a great yeah, opportunity. True. But, but for the tens and thousands of other people who are in the boat that you're talking about, it is friendly.
1: And they look down their noses at the likes of us who'd be going week in,
2: week out to, to follow our, our team in Ireland, you know. It'd be interesting if them get a true round in Europe and get a big name. Because then they would need the Aviva Stadium. And that would really show up to the FBI then. They might have to move it then to a Tuesday. Maybe it'll work out. But. Oh, well,
1: they certainly won't be moving their prestigious friendly anyway. No.
2: Because uh, the
1: problem trial will be getting moved to the ball corner that week.
2: I have, a, I have a pop quiz for you, Gare.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Guess which senior club has played more games at the Aviva Stadium than anyone else? Oh, Man
1: United. You know Celtic with four. Celtic, Celtic with four. You know, if they get another Liverpool Celtic we'll have our old friend with the uh, with the half and half jersey the half and half hat, the half
2: and half that scarf man, that man is an absolute legend <laughs> he's a, if I ever find him he's being interviewed in the show oh man it'd be gold wouldn't it it be comedy gold your dad knows him apparently
1: yeah so he says uh, this brings us that brings us to a great line from Declan Carl's Royal Hoop on the forum Uh, he was talking about his Milltown memories on Facebook Uh, once again Milltown has popped up and I love the stories of Milltown they're fantastic so uh, life is about finding the magic not about being just another fucking consumer clone
2: that was some quote
1: yeah any time Milltown comes up like I said the the memories are fantastic and excuse my ignorance fellow Hoopers but who was this Sherlock character anyone who can let us know apparently somebody said that uh, the guards didn't run Milltown. Sherlock did. So mm. I found that very uh, fascinating. Anyone can let us know. We post it underneath the link for this week's show. Uh, our under-19s match against Cork was called off, which was quite disappointing. I would have headed down. I was looking forward to a top-of-the-table clash, I think. Both of them are uh, going in for top spot. The pitch is unplayable, following heavy rain. And I fancy heading to the rescheduled game, so we will keep you posted on that. Should be a good one. Uh, you might see the Sammy Bones and... Doing it, Aaron Dobbs, some real talent on display there who can still play in the 19s. Uh, our 17s, a late James Clark equaler as a down in Kerry means they're still unbeaten and four points clear at the top of the tables. I love a, I love a good late goal, especially in your favour. Uh, that Kerry game was Conor Grant's last game before he moved to Sheffield Wednesday. He had joined Rovers some Malahide in January and the move to England was pre arranged.
2: Yeah, Dave Henderson got in a huff about that, our former assistant manager but I don't think you actually read the article yeah,
1: you should really uh, before you tweet you should really get all the info shouldn't you yeah uh, no games for either under 17s or the 19s teams now until June 25th a little break so enjoy the break lads uh, but not too much Robo has eyes everywhere uh, what else have we got for the youth section and our roadstone development we have a uh, big well done to the under 12s in their first international tournament facing top French academies an impressive third round hmm. sorry an impressive Third place finish for
2: them. Good to see us progressing and developing again. We are young hoops. And there was a video of them posted online playing head tennis, doing the twelves. Remember me and you playing that in the spa? oh
1: yeah, in the um, at the at the tennis courts.
2: That brought me back.
1: oh yeah, yeah it's old school there.
2: And uh, congratulations to Craig Highland, one of fifty recruits to the Dublin Fire Brigade out of three thousand applicants
1: very very hard thing to do
2: and he got in his family's third generation firefighter
1: ah that's pretty cool hey Nick congrats on that and uh, next up are the best stats in the universe okay here we go with the stats so Rovers have lost by a three goal margin or greater three times in the last 12 months all to Cork and that was the first time ever that Rovers conceded four goals to Cork City in a league game The Hoops have conceded a goal in the last three minutes of league games seven times this season so we're conceding late on. And then Rovers have the most red cards and penalties conceded this season. Five each. (laughs) Tells a tale, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And there were four Hoops players sent off last year. Three in the league. So we've surpassed that already. Uh, Rovers have 19 points at home And 6 away this season We could do it with a couple of more away wins A couple of more away points
2: It's a huge difference isn't it
1: Yeah it's a big one uh, 10 of Rovers' last 11 league goals Were scored in the first half only Oh sorry uh, Only Brandon Miele Against Galway Has scored a second half goal In the last 5 weeks Rovers have won all 5 midweek games This season With Brando and Shaw Scoring 4 goals each On those Mondays and Tuesdays So
2: yeah rob robbed From Owen Kowser, Admittedly
1: mm. Props where it's due yeah. uh, Pats have won One of their last Nine league games And one of their last Twelve away league games So their form is Stinking at the moment All the same Pats wins so far Have been in Dublin A home to Rovers And drawed it And away to Bows. So they have come From behind This is Pats To win a league game only once since the start of 2016 and that was against 10 man Rovers. And it was the first time in the Tala era that Rovers took the lead against Pats in a league game and lost. And Rovers have won one of their nine competitive meetings with Pats. So that's not a great record is it?
2: One of the last nine yeah.
1: Yeah so we need to improve on that which I really think we will on Friday. In the last five meetings at Tala Rovers have only scored one goal drawn once, and losing twice in the league, and losing two League Cup ties, so we need to improve, our talent record against Pats, pronto, Uh, Ian Birmingham is their only ever present player, Simon Madden and Dave Webster, have started every league game for Rovers, and Ronan Finn has appeared in all 17 as well, at some stage, Uh, Liam Buckley is the longest serving manager, in the League of Ireland, he was appointed Pats manager, for the second time in December 2011, which could come to an end, on Friday night, we could be that, Axe blow to his his Pat's managerial career You've said this a couple of times now You're dying to get him (laughs) (laughs) Barry Murphy left for overs Just one game away From the club's Clean sheet record He kept 119 clean sheets Compared to Alan O'Neill's 120 Just below the record And Johnny Bourne's 117 So he beat Jody Bourne And he just lost out To Alan O'Neill
2: He does have the league record though 97 clean sheets That's a lot isn't it Yeah It's a lot
1: It's, It's no matter what you say About the guy It is a good record Barry Murphy and Paddy Craig swapped Halle for Inchicore over the winter but this is the first time since 2011 that Rovers did not sign a St. Pat's player. So we've been cherry picking their
2: best players for a while now. And and Killian Brennan.
1: Uh, And yeah and Killian Brennan of course. (laughs) The Saints 37 year old goalkeeper Pat Jennings is the oldest player in the Premier Division.
2: He was with us for a a brief period in 2010 but he didn't play. Yeah he didn't play. He was was on the bench in the Europa League games I think.
1: Uh, this is Dave McAllister's second top flight season in Ireland. The other was with St. Pat's in 2010. Uh, 50 years ago this week, Boston Rovers played in the New United Soccer Association League. New United Soccer Association League. Yeah. Soccer ball. <laughs> the hoops began with a 1-1 draw against the Detroit Cougars, which was Glenn Torrin on Sunday. And a nil-all draw with the New York Skyliners, which was C.A. Cheto Where are they from?
2: Uh, Uruguay and they uh, talked for days about that league it, it's a famous famous tour like they were trying to start up football in America in a big way and they launched this league we went over representing Boston City and like Roars were huge over there yeah like just lines of people looking for autographs from from Mick and Paddy Mulligan remember they were in the Glimmerler suite recently talking about it you know I'm surprised nobody brought that up that that could be a really good no, one no like not did bring it up and uh, did he Paddy mentioned that uh, I think it was hard to hear them. I think people were talking and stuff but Paddy mentioned that he ran into Stevie Wonder <laughs> lovely there. yeah
1: uh, Con Morphy put up on Twitter a rare Albany Alley Cats <laughs> I have to laugh at that Albany Alley Cats versus Rovers t-shirt from our 1995
2: US tour jeez that's rare um, that must be rare it's the most random item anyone has in their wardrobe
1: the Albany Alley Cats uh, he says that he's given it to the Heritage Trust that's a that's a great show fair play and Bruce Arena actually managed against us on that tour that's another great show mm-hmm. that's the end of our stats the best stats in the universe and now we are moving on to starting 11 and predictions ok I'm going to go first as usual unless you want to step in really
2: no, you go first.
1: Uh, I thought Bork was really wasteful at times in in the game, and it might sound harsh, but I'm going to drop him. I've I've been a little bit critical of him the last week or so, but I'm going to drop him. And there's it, there's a wider idea here. I'm going to. Uh, I thought it was a really impressive cameo by Mikey O'Connor, and it gets him a start. So I'm going to go with the usual formation of do you know what? Not the usual formation. I'm going to go four four two, and we're going to attack Pat's. I'm going to go Tomer, Luki, Webby, Pico, and Madden are settled back for with Finner and Connolly in the middle. I thought Connolly was very good. And go Brander and Brando and Trev out wide and they will be switching left to right between each other to suit the situation. And uh, O'Connor and Daddy Cool Shaw up front and a 3-0 hammering to send them back lethargic and lonely on the Lewis.
2: <laughs> so what do you think, Riley? Yeah, we did mention Mikey's uh, shot against Bray. He hit the post. And uh, you were saying that he did a no-look shot. Yeah,
1: no, I didn't notice at the time. I thought I took a deflection, but I was told from some uh mainstand main standards main that uh, it was quite the the outrageous attempt.
2: I was thinking of something like that because I saw the keeper rule to the spot. He was totally flat-footed, so I thought Mikey had tricked him, Give him the eyes. And for him to try
1: to the, the confidence levels must be sky high, and he hasn't played, so I I definitely think he's worth a start against Pats, especially the Piers and Feely playing centre half
2: yeah well the big question of this game of course was should Conley come in for McAllister and based on that performance the answer was yes even though I'm a big fan of McAllister
1: yeah we both are we, he's uh, been really good
2: because of Mikey's shot I'm the same I want him in there Yeah, and definitely. Uh, I don't mean to be boring but I'm, I'm after picking the same team as you and, and the same scoreline
1: yeah, oh yeah three now, it's going to happen see?
2: the odd time maybe but yeah great minds take a
1: look eh Riley uh, we have another link up with in a partnership with the Kildare District Underage League. I'm loving this because it's it's exciting stuff. We've got academy link ups all over Dublin now. We've got Tord- Cardiff and we have Lucan, the pick of the Kildare League. You know, it's it's uh, it's really progressive and it's good to see.
2: Gary Shaw is a former player in that Kildare League.
1: Oh yeah, Newbridge wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he played. I think he played senior football for them as well. Who Newbridge? I'm nearly sure got promoted this season as well. So they'll be playing. Top flight lengths of senior football. I could be wrong. Um, we have Twiggy and Turner in the eighteen ninety nine suite. I'm looking forward to this since it got announced. Has to be a sellout, doesn't
2: it? I believe it's close to a sellout now. Yeah, so I mean, should God be so double the
1: enter and Tala once again. I mean, two staples of the MON team. So we had Turner with his steely displays in the middle, and the uh, the one and only Gary Twig. Gary, Gary, Gary Twig. Oh, Gary Twig. <laughs>
2: Great ball. Price finding Twig. All in his own. Still Twig. He's in. He's gone. 2-0. Gary Twig. Yeah, are you there?
1: Oh, sorry sorry about that, Riley. I uh, zoned out there for a moment. Uh, but Yeah, we've got a new contributor to the hoop scene, Connor Fitzpatrick, so it's always good to see new hoops get involved and uh, great job on Tuesday, Connor. Yeah, well done. Always, always welcome at the club, anyone who wants to contribute. Our podcast schedule is as follows. We have no show next week, uh, fellow hoops. We apologise, but we will have one on Monday, June 12th probably around the evening time, and then Thursday, June 22nd, and every Thursday after that as normal, so back to normal. June 12th, we'll have our first in-studio guest, and give us a drum roll, Carl. Jason, the biggest club, Maloney. <laughs> so, we'll record on a Sunday. few bummers, maybe even we'll pen a new tune, as he is the creator of the much-loved Twig of Scotland chant And probably many more That we don't know about
2: Yeah I've been looking forward To this for a while
1: Yeah so it should be A bit of crack our first in studio guest First in studio guest Who Johnny, better Johnny
2: Blues will be Christened Who better okay. And uh, Yeah you can send in Any questions you have For Jason We'll put up a, a Post on Facebook So anything you want To ask Jason Or myself And Gary uh, We'll be happy to answer them
1: Yeah so yeah. send them in
2: So yeah that'll be our Summer Spectacular Mailbag special has a nice ring On June 12th
1: it? I'm liking that really I'm liking that We're going to roll with
2: that Yeah we did have Jason uh, On the ball show Remember the second show Yeah He was talking about The derby And pen the song I did actually have A little bit more of them. Uh We we chatted in A, a hotel in, in In town But the uh, music Was blaring We were the only ones Actually there We are just in the corner And uh, And then just when we finished the interview we were just finishing our point of bombers and the barman shouts over and goes I could turn the music off lads.
1: oh yeah it's good timing I was like
2: <laughs> oh my god but uh, yeah there's a couple of things that we can go over again I can ask him so we, we can make up for that
1: yeah so I think that is it for today's show so roll on Friday roll on Twiggy and Turner roll on the sinking of the junkie ship and roll on our march on Europe so keep on hooping folks
2: see ya